Nicholas D'Alessandro, we have a Reddit page. Oh, it's where it's happening, Andy Ruther. Guys, reddit.com r slash dirty sports. The subreddit is popping right now. You can go there, find some exclusive dirty sports content. We now have Flare that you could use. If you're a Redditor, you know what I'm talking about. So, it's on the come up. So, you should go there and get with it. Shout out to Perry Porter for reviving the dead Reddit page. He is overseeing a lot of this, and he is a dirtball, and we thank you for that. So if you are a Redditor, go check out our Reddit page, like Nick said. And also, if you're on YouTube, allow those push notifications. Guys, there's a bell icon right next to the subscribe button. All you got to do is hit the little bell icon. It gives you a little animation, and then you get a notification whenever we post a video. Only 11.6%, according to YouTube, of our subscribers have that notification. That is not a good batting average. No, that is not good. So if you are subscribed on YouTube, allow the push notifications so when we go live, you will know. Okay, Nikki D. Time to start the show. Welcome to... Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host this afternoon, Tug Coker. Hello, Andy. Good afternoon, Tug. How are you? Doing really well, thanks. I'm in some corduroy pants. I'm a little warm, but Nick is very cold. A little chillier. It took him seven weeks to, to become a true Los Angelino and be freezing cold at 55 degrees. You know, when the window's open, the fan is running... You know, it gets a little bit chilly here in the Smut Studio. You are right. That is the official way to become a member of this city. So we, not guacamole. Just No, it's, it's complaining about 50-degree weather being freezing. It, it's actually 64 right now. <laughs> okay, so 64. 64, completely sunny. He closed the window. He's wearing his, what do you call this? My babushka. It's actually only 61. Okay. I told him not to fear, though, because this week, hey. just for Nick. They're going to put up the late, the mid-70s, high-70s. Thursday, 78. Can't wait. Everyone who lives in a bad part of the country is currently giving all of us... Yeah, they're just the collective... A giant middle finger. Middle finger, yep. Sorry, Mom. I met Nick's dad last night. Wow. You guys have really... You've been dating... The dating's going so well. Yeah. Finally you're... met the parents. Yeah. I met Ron. Ron's a legend. Great man. Obviously, he produced a great son. We had some food at La Cabana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we just talked forever. What, uh, and it was easy, free-flowing conversation? Really free-flowing. Could he be a guest on the show? I'll ask you, Nick. I mean, you you heard him last night. I, I think. It'd what be was the hottest take from Nick's dad? Well, we, we talked everything from music to comedy to the show. And, uh, his... I'm a big Gallagher guy. You know, no, you know what his dad is? <laughs> you know, tell me. I, you threw me off for a second. <laughs> I know, I can see 
Nick has no clue who that was, by the way. When I told his dad, watermelon guy. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Ah. When I told his dad uh, that like Don Rickles is one of my all-time favorites, his dad freaked. Face lit up. He looks at Nick and he says, "Did you, did you tell Andy this?" Like he was surprised that I would how much I loved Rickles. And he has, and I'm not going to tell the story. He has an amazing, very personal, one-on-one story dealing with Rickles. Wow, it's pretty awesome. Like it, it's, I'll be honest, it's one of the, it's one of the cooler stories I've heard about him or about somebody going to see a show and kind of what happened. And uh, it also, in a way. It, it didn't surprise me because everything I've heard about Don Rickles and there was that great documentary called Mr. Warmth of he was a roast comic, but he was just the sweetest man. And uh, it was a great story and it basically justified all those great things you hear about him, which is a great segue into later in the show. We are going to be doing a segment, which you recommended, of our top 10 movie comedies of all time. This was uh, trending around some sports media Twitter last night and someone said, just to tease it, someone said... The Hangover is definitely in the top 10 comedies of all time, right? Not debatable? Yes. Question mark? To which we said, let's debate this thing. But you know what? I actually want to do a quick transition into something that's off topic. Because you talk about people that are sort of have an edge to them but are known to be warm off camera, off the court, off the field. The Kobe tribute okay. that's going on today. Yeah. Now I know you have a take where you didn't you didn't watch it for for reasons that are your own. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who who's been out there watching it. I found it to be really um, interesting, fun, uh, therapeutic. Um, some great speakers. Uh, Michael Jordan was on there. He was bawling, and he referenced the crying Jordan meme. Shaq gets in there and makes some fun jokes about uh, you know their their relationship. It was really cool. I mean, a lot of, you know, uh, Gino Ariyama, some Diana Taurasi, you know, and what, what I thought was interesting is the opportunity to, that so much, so much, some of us just kind of admire Kobe or whatever, not even admire him, just watch him play basketball, whether or not you're a fan or not. But today, his wife spoke for about 20 minutes about his daughter, um, very lovingly. And if you're a dad, like I am, you know, it was very touching and you empathize with that. But also she talked about uh, Kobe, the person, and you and you learned a lot. It was really interesting. I mean, I just thought it was fun. To, I wish there was ways to do this more um, without people having to pass away. Yeah. You, you say that all the time, and I know that's something that you've gone through, you know, recently. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I was like, man, well, I wish you could just celebrate these people more. You, for instance, you learned that Kobe, like, was a, a fan of Survivor, and he started playing tennis passionately. Like, that, that was one of his sports passions. And he like like was like they were quoting the Notebook, and there was just like all these like little unusual like and just kind of quirky little things. You're like, oh, this guy's just like a regular dude who's infinitely rich. Yeah. But when he but he was he seemed to have like turned a corner post basketball to being a great dad and sort of and every every single person to a person was like he was always quick to congratulate, text you know when when someone did something you know positive. And I know that's something that. You know, you're good at so everyone can have their differences. I just thought it was I thought it was a uh, a nice way to uh, for people to commemorate Kobe and and show some healing and uh, that's all I want to say. No, that's, that's good. Yeah, and and uh, I think that as much as someone like Joe and I will harp on the media driven narrative on Kobe's career, I think also maybe some of the things that that we have had issues with him could also be 
driven all does that make sense like we don't know the guy and i think it's good to hear things like that i agree yeah it was it was fun i mean it was just kind of like you, you obviously there's a lot of sadness but there was you know he always find the quirky things funny, like that he. I mean, the, the fact that his wife mentioned that he loved watching Survivor. Yeah, I'm sure the Survivor producers were like, pulling that clip, like that's that's amazing. Like, and it's, it's just a fun. Oh, we like just watch as a reality show. Like every other, you know, human on Earth, you know, has a guilty pleasure show. Yeah, and I just you know, and social media is supposed to be that, like you know, but social media has turned into, um, let me show the perfect side of me. Sure, so much of that. And it'd be fun to watch people just kind of do like the, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just a dork like everyone else who watches, you know, some, some, you know, friends or whatever. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was the normalization of a human. Yeah. And there was so much talent in the room. I mean, just to look around the room, you know, I, we were watching the boxing the other night when you were like doing the, the star sighting. This was like to the nth degree. Yeah. You know, Michael, Shaq, Phil, Russ, you know, Curry, Clay, you know, Jennifer Lopez, A-Rod, Alicia Keys, Beyonce sang off the top. So. It, for, it's it's. I mean, I guess they planned it just because it's two twenty four today, so they wanted to tie it around the twenty fourth, and they also did. It's a, it's a Monday morning service, so. But um, anyway, I just I just want to comment on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how long was that lasting? It's still going. I think that's that's I the one. It, it just ended. Okay, the, I'm live on YouTube right now, and they're panning out of the Staples Center. The one negative I say was like, I'm not a negative. But I mean, people who who probably went for the day were like, this was amazing, but it was four hours. Yeah. You know, I don't know. How often, you know, I've been to, you know, several funerals and they're not four hours. <laughs> sure. Um, but that was, I, like I said, I just thought that was cool. Like Rob Polinka, who is the GM of the Lakers, is his best friend. Because he used to be his agent. Correct. And they, they had some great conversations um, and talked about the last text he received was from uh, Kobe was from, about uh, how can he get a baseball internship for one of the girls on his daughter's baseball team. Um. So you know, anyway, just I just I just wish there was ways like to do, to find like more the more the humanity and um you know all these people, but uh, that's my sentimental Monday, you know, nostalgic, waxing nostalgic. Well, I like it, Tug. You always bring a an interesting and different perspective when you're on here, and uh, that's good. We, we we like that. Yeah. And and in a nice segue, we can hop into some NBA. You wanted to discuss Lakers Celtics. Great game yesterday. Also really good game. Also at the Staples Center. Jason Tatum becomes the youngest player in the Lakers-Celtics rivalry as far as age-wise to score 40 points, which I think is a pretty cool stat. Pretty long-time rivalry, right? Like 203 games, I think. It's now 102 for the Lakers to 101 for the Celtics. I mean, it's a this is the... Top five all-time sports rivalry. No doubt. No doubt. Rafa Nadal being number one, of course. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, Federer Jokic, Jokic, Jokic from the Nuggets. Yeah, that, that rivalry is one-sided. And and to be honest, I when when it comes to these rivalries, I think take for example a Yankees Red Sox rivalry. I think it's diluted because they play so many damn times. What I like about something like the Lakers, and, and it was one-sided for a long time. For a long time, what I like about this Lakers Celtics is not only like you're saying it's very evenly matched, but also they're in different conferences. They only meet twice a year unless they play in the finals. To me, that may, it enhances a rivalry. And to be honest, that's kind of a, nothing against Duke-UNC in a way. You put that in the top five, though, too, right? I would, but also they play three times a year a lot, too. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I love rivalries where 
you're not playing as much. But this rivalry is great. Um, First game of the year, and I've been watching some NBA, with, but I felt like this had playoff atmosphere going. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, very competitive. Lakers came out to a nice lead. You know, the Celtics, who are, you know, who are on my team and part of my diaspora of teams, um, you know, no Kemba yesterday. I, I, I did not love Gordon Hayward's play yesterday. He started off strong, but made some, like, weird I – don't, I don't know if you guys are watching – crunch time passes, like, over the heads of people. Like, it, he, he, he becomes a guy that, like, I don't know if, if the Celtics are going to be willing to trust in the crunch time going forward. But the biggest thing I think about is the Lakers. And I listened to Bill Simmons last night, and I was surprised. They asked if the Lakers are actually underrated. Um, I think that's interesting because I watched their, their closing five. I think you and I have talked about it before. Their closing five was LeBron, AD, KCP, Rondo, Kuzma. If you, t- if you put LeBron out of that equation, I don't know how good this team really is. It just, it's, it's another testament to how great LeBron is yeah. as a player. Because really, without LeBron, they're just the, new, they're just the, 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 the Pelicans with, uh, with AD on it. I'll say, I'll say it right now, and AD's great. And his numbers back it up. I think without LeBron, I don't know if they're in the playoffs. I think I would. I think that make the, be the eighth seed. Is I think you know you and I were in text chain with Joe. They're on the cusp. They'd be around the eighth seed. Yeah, in my opinion. I agree. Um, and and they're you know obviously that the the pick and roll is so tough. And the Celtics are the one of the few teams that can defend. Yeah. Uh, AD and LeBron and pick and roll because they have wings that that can guard, guard switch. They can switch. But. I still wonder to know that they're one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the league. Not good shooting three. Not great from the three. They didn't. They haven't yet picked up. A, they picked up Markeith Morris. Yeah. The lesser of the two Morrisai. Is that right, Morrisai? The two Morrises. Um. What about Zach Morris? You just worked with him. Yeah. What, the, he's the best. He's the best of the three Morrises. He's he's all he's the best of the Morrises, as we know. The longevity of the career, incredible. Great hands. That episode of Saved by the Bell when he. Acted like he was Jewish, remember? And then he went to the Dodgers game. Do you know this episode? I, I don't remember this. He it was a big episode. He he faked that he was Jewish. I think on uh, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, one of the Jewish holidays, and his, his teacher, his high school teacher, was Jewish. And there was footage of him catching a ball. Oh boy! At the Dodgers game. Yeah. Yeah. Does that episode make it? That storyline make it to air in 2020? It's a great question. I say no. I, I would agree. Yeah, I think also no. But he learned a lesson. Or yeah, you learn a lesson. I, I, I was as I was so, talking so this, about this. So this was the lesson where he learned that Zach Morris then learned that he he had some Native American roots. Okay. But then he doubles down and messes up. This is what would not air. I actually rewatched a bunch of these in the last three or four years. He then shows up to class in a full Native American headdress, the face paint. You get you get. Cancel for that. That's 100% cancel. Speaking of uh, some some dicey situations with Saved by the Bell, you know they're doing a reboot. They are for the Peacock, which is the NBC streaming series. It's uh, you know, for for we don't have enough streamers out there. Yeah. If you don't already have Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, Amazon, you can get Peacock. They're making a reboot of Saved by the Bell, but Lisa Turtle, not invited. Well, she's white now. Well, I don't know what's going on with her personally, but I know she's... Have, have you seen her skin? I, I, I thought, I've seen the uh, the peroxide blonde It's hair. sad. It's sad. So, well, for whatever reason, wasn't allowed back. Lark Voorhees, is yeah, that her name? that's right. And I was a big Lisa Turtle fan. Me too. And in fact, one of the hottest debates, I think I've said this on air, one of the hottest Ruther brother debates was always, who's the hottest girl on Saved by the Bell? 
You think instantly you're going to go Kelly Kapowski, but once you start debating it, it's a tough call. Tory came in there for a minute and made a little. Never, never. You weren't a Tory fan? Never touched the, the Ruther brother list. <laughs> it was either Jesse Spano, Lisa Turtle, or Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so using this analogy, who are the three NBA uh, teams that are the Lisa Turtles, the Kelly Kapowskis, and the Jesse Spanos in your mind that's right a, now? That's a, that is a great segue, Todd. Thank you so much. The Los Angeles Lakers. It's who? For you. Maybe the Kelly Kapowski. Okay. Okay. The, the Bucks, I would say, are the Jesse Spano. <laughs> Although... Jesse, you know, could go crazy. Remember the, I'm so excited. Oh, she starts crying. She starts crying. Oh, yeah, pounding the chest. She's hooked on caffeine pills. I think that's more Clippers to me. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, because we don't know what we're getting with the Clippers right now. The Clippers are Jesse Spano. And, that may, and maybe the Bucks are Lisa Turtle, a very attractive, stable team, but doesn't always make it as far as they should. Yeah, and like, why, 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 why are we not loving them a little bit more? They, you know, they have the they're, best, they're, they're dominating, best record by far. Yeah, but what's holding us back? Yeah, that's maybe the Lisa Turtle, the Jesse Spano, the, the Clippers. Uh, I think I, I'm not sure what's happening with the Clippers right now. I mean, everyone still seems to love them. They're they keep adding pieces. They added Reggie Jackson recently. They added Marcus Morris. Do these pieces fit? They're the deepest. Is another question. You know, Paul Paul George has not been healthy. Yeah. Are they going to find a way? Do you think there's any regrets from Kawhi being like, maybe I should have stayed in Toronto, and we could do it again? Well, it's an interesting question. And, and Joe and I talked about this last episode, their depth and how, on paper, if you if you match up, like, let's say the two L.A. teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, on paper, the Clippers are probably a better, they are. You just said the Lakers' final five yesterday against the Celtics. The Lakers are not as deep or as talented, but it's all about playing well together, as you know, and we're kind of seeing that. Is this a team where all year, and you see this in sports, everybody says, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out. They just never figure it out? Yeah. I mean, the other thing, it's a short window. for the, for they, they, Someone reminded me that the Clippers gave up six, seven first-round draft picks to, to, to make this Paul George trade happen. I mean, seven. Nick, you might want to have to check that out for me, but I... Oh, I'm sorry, you're not Aaron? You're, well, not, you're, not, you're, no, not, you're I, not Stab Boy? Well, I'm just kind of looking up all the famous Morrises right now. Markeith Morris, the third most famous Morris. Did he give you a look when you asked him to look he that did. up? Yeah, there was an eye roll. Was there? I can look it up. Yeah. Well. Let's cut to the videotape on YouTube of the eye roll. Go ahead and roll that. <laughs> <laughs> we, do need, we, do need a, we do need a Nick cam. Yeah, 100%. A, Nick cam. A, a Dale cam. We, we need a, I would love that, over, especially if we had a visual of, right. of, the, of this outfit that you have today. Yeah. Is that a family member, Delessandro Steak and Hoagie? This is a yeah, Delessandro's. It's not a family member, but it's a it's a cheese, uh, Philly cheese steak place in Philadelphia. Love it. Can only wear it when Joe's not here, so I thought I'd bust it out. No, Joe. Here's the thing about Joe. Joe, big anti Philly, very pro Hoagie, pro Hoagie and pro cheese steak. Yeah. So no. I, I think you'd be just fine wearing that. So yeah. Um. Well, uh, just to put a button on this discussion of the NBA. As uh, as Nick ranks the Morrises, um, the Lakers game was like it was an awesome game. The refs were a big problem, and the refs continue to be a big problem in the NBA. Like basically destroyed what I thought was an awesome game with some 
dicey calls, a phantom out of bounds call. Um, so if you know, like, uh, you know, the Lakers are destined to win. If if people want to do that, if people want to buy into conspiracies and say they're going to win it for Kobe, yeah, this year, the, the, and the refs are, are going to definitely and, help them. And obviously, the NBA has a history. Oh yeah, of refs of refs fixing games. Yep. The uh, the Celtics to me are one of the teams that um, actually can give. They 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 blew out the Lakers three weeks ago. Played them tough without Kimba. I think they're probably a big man away. They don't they don't even play Enos Kanter when the, when they play the Lakers. And Tice Daniel Tice played really well. He did. Um, but I think they still need one more big piece. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to get that. Um, so they're count- they were counting on the, the the Robert Williams, the guy they drafted a couple years ago. His nickname is the Time Lord. Very questionable technical at the end of that game on Brad Stevens, too. Luckily, ball don't lie. Anthony Davis missed the free yes, throw. Yes, yes. And he's an 85% free throw shooter, but he also missed a big free throw in the All-Star game. Correct. So, to me, I think I think the Lakers are the team to, to beat coming out of the West. I still like the Bucks, and I probably would give the, the, the Celtics a fighting chance. I don't know about the Raptors. Yeah. But and I don't think the, the Sixers are – who knows right now? The Sixers are just still trying to – it seems like there's a lot of internal turmoil going on with the Sixers. The Sixers so. are Screech. Are they a villain? They are Screech. <laughs> you, just, you, you don't know what you're going to get. The Sixers are Screech. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's uh, – they're either Screech or they're, they're Violet. They're Tori Spelling. Remember that? Do you remember that? She, she crossed over? Tori Spelling before 90210 – was the nerdy Violet. Oh, I, I remember pictures of this, but I don't remember the storylines for her. I'm a little surprised at your lack of Saved by the Bell knowledge. I should have studied up before I worked with him. Yeah. Um, on our episode of Mixed Dish, which you can check out now on Hulu. Um, Great plug. Thank you. What do we got over there, Nick? Thunder will get LA's unprotected first-round picks in 2022, 2024, 2026, along with 2021 unprotected uh, and a protected 2023 and then a swap of a tw- of the Thunder and the Clippers in 2023 and 2025. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven draft picks. Seven picks for a guy who is not who's missed 20 plus games this year. Also, Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari, and I think the guy they traded away. Um, Gilgis Alexander, Shai yes, Gilgis Alexander. Yes, yes, he's he's and he's budding. He's a budding star. So, so are, are are we starting? And again, he's gotten so much praise, deservingly so. Jerry West, are are we questioning this move? It's really funny. I, I'm glad you brought that up because he is so well respected within the ranks of the NBA, and it is such a win. I mean, it's probably it's probably came from above, right? This probably came from the owner of the Clippers. Remind me of the the guy who just yells and screams, Steve Ballmer. Thank you, Steve Ballmer. There's like we got to have this. Who I'm not a fan of, by the way, Steve Baldmer. Wow, that's why, that's why we have Nick on the show. So that's that was good. Love it. <laughs> that, if that wasn't an Andy Ruther-esque joke, I don't know what is. <laughs> Nick, I, I, I apologize. I've rubbed off you on you. You guys are spending so much time together. In a bad way. That's a bad way. Um, but, yeah, you. I mean, I, I think this – I think most people now are looking at this Clippers team as a two-year team, Paul George and Kawhi, and then and then, but Kawhi gets to leave scot-free and leaves the, all the collateral damage with the Clippers. The Clippers basically have to come out with something the next two years, or they could be the Clippers of the 90s, 80s. And they will. I, again, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll double, triple, quadruple down on whatever I said until the Clippers make an NBA Finals. I like to bet on history. 
history says you are still the Los Angeles Clippers. I, I laugh. I always point this out to Nick Moore in the car. I still laugh. If you go in this town, if you see the billboards for the Clippers, it's so funny. The Lakers have never had a billboard ever because they're the Lakers. They don't need to advertise. If you drive throughout the streets of Los Angeles, there's these Clippers billboards ev- everywhere. You've seen them, right? It'll have Kawhi. It'll have Paul George. And the they're taking a dig at the Lakers because it's all about the we and that the Lakers are more of an individual team. The slogan is we over me. Yes. Which to me is funny. So that's that's the slogan that they're putting out in the city is that we over me and that they're selfless and that somebody like LeBron or Anthony Davis are selfish, which I think is is not a correct narrative. Don't don't you think that's the dig that they're trying to take? Isn't that a subtle dig at the Lakers? I, I think I think you're right. I think you're on something. We over me. Mm-hmm. What else is that addressing? Maybe uh, is it is it, is it like an, a reference to the old Pat Riley reference, which is the disease of me? Uh, maybe that's in the Lakers culture. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a jab at Hollywood culture. I don't know. Yeah, but they're um, still in Los Angeles. That's where I'm all confused. Yeah. But I just, look, again, obviously I could be wrong, and I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm betting against the Clippers come playoff time, which it, means they're going to win the title. I mean, the Clippers, I think, are the three seed right now, and they could face, I mean, they, they might have a, t- a tough first-round opponent. I mean, it could be the Thunder. It could be like a fun... Yeah. Poetic justice with the Thunder trying to oust the Clippers with all those draft picks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was excited yesterday. I was, I was. It's one of those games where you kind of come home and you're dialed in and people are excited. You see guys playing hard. LeBron hits a big jumper, a nice little fadeaway. That's a tough shot. Big time tough shot. And that game was at noon our time. Yeah. What's the mindset for a player? I, was th- I always think about that, these noon games. It's just a weird time to have a start for a game. Noon on a Sunday. I said this the other day, too, and you guys mocked me for it. Because I said 3 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, but it's a little still, different. noon, L.A. time. Yeah. I've been, I noticed I said that a lot. It's LA, I call it L.A. time, but it's, it's the whole West Coast. I'm willing to guess that it's not that big a deal for them because they probably have practices that are in that same window of time. Yeah. So it's, it's a schedule that they're probably used to dealing with from a practice standpoint, so... You know, it doesn't bother them. It's maybe more of a. You might be talking more about the East Coast teams traveling west, like the Celtics yeah. having to deal with a, a noon start. But they've been out here for a few days. Anyway, Lakers Celtics. I would love to see that again. I mean, it's amazing how these these franchise, franchises kind of find ways. Do we see that that much in the NFL? Like, like right now, it's the Patriots. The Patriots weren't around thirty years ago. The Steelers kind of, kind of, as Nick knows, finds a way to kind of reinvent themselves. Um. You know, in, in each decade, Cowboys have obviously struggled since the '90s. Yeah. Do we have any of the the, the Lakers, Celtics like teams? The Niners, I guess, are sort of that that comp because they've been able to. Well, I I, I think you'd probably agree. It's really good for the NBA, in my opinion, when you have a good Lakers Celtics rivalry. I agree, but I think it's also good when the uh, the Cowboys. I agree are as well. Good. You know, we want the big time you know franchises to be great. I agree. I totally agree. But the agree. Lakers and Celtics have done, have done a, a good job. Well, and there's just a different vibe. I, Nick was saying yesterday, as we watched the game here in my apartment, and he was rooting hard for the Lakers, and he was saying he wants the Lakers to win a title because it's fun to live in a town when a team wins. And I told him my first three years, my first full three years in L.A., the Lakers made the NBA Finals. 
They lost that one to the Celtics. Then they beat the Magic. Then they beat the Celtics. And it's a fun vibe, yeah. as you know. It is. Living here. When, when a team wins a title, and the same way when the L.A. Kings have won two titles since I've been here, it's a fun vibe when a... You really just use the Kings as the vibe of L.A.? I mean, look... I mean, shout out to the Kings, but like... But I'm just saying... You don't feel the ripple effect of the Kings wins going through yeah, LA. yeah obviously you don't feel the kings effect as much as the lakers but i even remember like that first kings title when they were in eight seed and see if see if i'm right or wrong was jonathan quick who won that amazing run as the goalie jonathan quick was yeah i don't have to fact check that i know that so when jonathan quick went on that amazing run uh as the goalie i think that was 2000 i believe 2017 or 2014 i think was their first one i could be wrong on that but I remember that night, like I was going to a house party that night. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? The vibe. Absolutely. That, that night, I was going to a house party in uh, Silver Lake, so all the way across town. I just, you know, you feel good. That's all I'm saying. You do feel good, and I'm not trying to make light of the Kings. Yeah. Only in the sense that the Lakers is like, that's like the it's like the the Marvel characters. Sure. You know, it's it's a different level. This town for sure is. This is Lakers town number one. It's Lakers then Dodgers. Yeah. A hundred. It used to be USC football, but that is a question for another time. Yeah. Well, I want to continue with one quick NBA discussion, which I found very interesting. And I know if Joe Prano hears this, he, he would be chopping at the bit to be here. But it's, it's a very interesting take about Carmelo Anthony that I'd love to hear your opinion. I'm actually going to play a lot of this Yeah, interview. let me hear the clip because I'm not, I'm not familiar. Okay, so Ben Wallace went on a podcast. I'm going to give a shout out to this podcast. 120 Watts, the podcast. Big Ben. Ben Wallace. A legendary. I think people forget how good he was. Fun fact here about Ben Wallace. Him and Dikembe Mutombo are the only four-time Defensive Player of the Year awards. Played some calls ball in Virginia, so love it. I mean, Ben Wallace was dominant. He he is statistically, I know this from doing those facts only, he is statistically the best all-time in defensive box plus minus. So the numbers back it up. Are you doing effects only on Ben Wallace being more uh, better offensively than people think? No, defensively. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So this is what Ben Wallace had to say on this podcast, the 120 Watts, Watts podcast, when asked if, you know, because the narrative, I think this is why this is interesting. The narrative is always a joke that the, not the Celtics, I'm sorry, the Pistons drafted Darko. What is it? Mil- How, how's his last name pronounced? Milicic? Milis- Milicic? Mil- Mil- Milicic. Milicic, so they draft Darko over Carmelo. Obviously, big mistake. But here's what's interesting about that. Ben Wallace thinks that 2004 Pistons team that was so stacked defensively that took the Lakers in five games, he thinks they don't win if they draft Carmelo. And this is, uh, this is what he had to say on the podcast about it. Drafted Carmelo, I honestly... Don't think we would ever win a championship. Why is that? You think like the focal point would have been on him too much, or like as a as a high high value rookie, or Melo would have wanted to play right away. Okay. And the expectation of him would have been right there too. Right. right. So it would have had the potential to disrupt the team chemistry. Yeah. But by drafting Darko. Darko was the guy that came in and said, I can't play on this team. I'm not ready to play on this team. Who am I going to play in front of? 
I'm not ready. And by him doing that and accepting his role, it allowed us to build and grow, build and grow, get stronger, get stronger, and eventually win a championship. Win. All right, I'm going to continue this because this is interesting where he's going with this. Don't you think this is kind of an interesting take? It is interesting, and I also think it's uh, it, it like makes people realize how great a draft pick Darko was. One of the all-time <laughs> great teammates. <laughs> so selfless. I'd like to point out Ben Wallace rocking a fresh Grand Rapids drive hat. Ooh, hometown for Nick. All right, this is what else he has to say. By the way, this Mello is not going to be liking when he hears the, this interview. Championship. If he would have came in saying, I want to play, I need to be playing, now he would have called his agent. His agent would have been calling Joe. Darko would have been talking to the media. You know what yeah. I'm saying? The media would have been coming asking those crazy questions. And we would have had to say something crazy. They would have took it back to Darko. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The whole divide and conquer, man. If yeah. Mello, if we would have drafted Mello, Tayshawn would have never blossomed, you think? blossomed to be the type player that, that he yeah. became. You know what I mean? And we won the championship off the back of maybe one of the, well, not maybe, the best block that I yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I blocked a lot of shots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the type of grit and grind that that team yeah, was about. That, that season, Chauncey hit that a the, big three. Be, well, he, he obviously didn't like that LeBron block. Yeah, I was just going to say. Not, not a fan. And I'll stop it there, but it, here's why I find that such an interesting take that, that Ben Wallace is bringing in is that, to me, it's the bigger picture to, of, of, of team sports and chemistry. We over me. And I was going to say, we just talked about that with the Clippers. It's like... I see a better team chemistry with the Lakers. I see guys like Dwight Howard, like Alex Caruso, guys who can, quote-unquote, play their role when they come off the bench. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why I find this mellow thing so interesting because that team, and I know we're going back to 2004, and I don't know how much of that you remember, uh, but I can remember, and I was even way more of a casual NBA fan because I lived in the Midwest in cities that didn't have teams, they were so fun to watch. They played defense. They hit the shots when they needed to. And they dismantled a three-time defending Lakers team. No one gave them a shot in that finals, but they played well as a team. And his argument of being basically saying Melo's a selfish player would not have fit in our team system. A couple of things. Like, I think there's personally a lot of revisionist history happening right here and a lot of people playing into their own bias. Okay. Dirty sports. Revisionist history. Fair enough. Um, two, Pistons weren't that fun to watch. But like they, they were so defensive-minded. Ben Wallace didn't go outside the paint. Richard Hamilton is the go-to guy for a Ramp. lot of the points. You know, Tayshawn is, like, very quiet. Like, they're, close, they're much closer to the Spurs. Agreed. And the Spurs aren't the most exciting team to watch. Okay. Um, but, but I'm saying, I guess for me, it was, it was fun to watch. I'm particularly talking about the finals. It's yeah. fun to watch... Again, this David versus Goliath Thank situation. You. Yeah. So I agree with that. I thought that, I mean, obviously, personally, roots for the Celtics, I was rooting for anyone to beat the Lakers. So I was pumped. That I, was actually, I was shocked that it actually happened. And it happened as easily as it did, especially when the Lakers kind of loaded up with some Gary Payton, Carl, Carl Malone. Malone, sort of like, let me chase that ring players. I remember that year because I was out here in LA uh, and, or just for a visit. And I saw Gary Payton at a, ba- at a restaurant on Sunset. Um, right after, I think that was the same year that um, D. Fish had just hit that big jumper against the Spurs, and he ran out the gym. Yeah, 
I saw him taking shots before game seven of that series. And I was like, oh, these guys aren't. I mean, who knows? I mean, you can do whatever you want. But I was yeah. like, oh, man, okay. I, you know. Is, is it true? Now, Gary Payton's nickname is The Glove. Is it true that he puts on a giant glove before he takes shots? He does. I thought he that does. was true. Yeah, it's 100% fact. Yeah. Has the, the server sign it, which is so interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, here's my thinking. Rick Carlisle's a coach of that team, right? Or am I wrong? Rick, no, it was Larry no. Brown. Larry, Larry Brown. Brown. Larry Brown. Okay, great. Larry Brown knows how to handle personalities sure did it with ai sure carmelo is still young he's fresh off of uh you know relative you know fresh off a title title of syracuse maybe he comes in and in in a different system does it does he is a different sort of mentality instilled in carmelo so instead of saying he they never would have won with the pistons what if he goes to the pistons and they start a dynasty okay because he has larry brown as the coach being like like I, I made Larry, I made Iverson great, and we got to the finals, and I did this and I did that. So that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting way of looking at it. I th- I think systems can create players. Uh, maybe not so much in the NBA. We're not talking about NFL, where I 100 percent believe that. Yeah, but I believe that people there's you know Kobe fell into Phil Jackson's the camp. Sure. Phil Jackson is the perfect coach for Kobe because Kobe was so curious and like, you know, he had that sort of mind and yes, they had some, they had, he's already untamable as it is and barely anyone could tame him anyway. Phil actually gave players some leash. Like it was the perfect situation. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael's a, a similar way. I mean, with, I mean, he liked both of his coaches, uh, you know, um, Collins, Doug Collins and, you know, Phil. So I'm saying, as much as I like the, I like the the theory, I like the hot take from Ben, but it is him saying, "Look, we all we all we know about Carmelo now is he just wants to heist. He's a ball hog." Yeah, I'm I'm just like to look at it the other way and say, "Could be interesting. Could you play with a couple good vets. You know, maybe they teach him some stuff that he, maybe he's more coachable than we think. I mean, he was very good those couple Olympics. We played with great players. He was like the best player on the floor. It's a good point. So I, I I liked your take on this. I like looking at it from the different angle. I mean, I mean, do we say who knows what's really going to happen? Probably it may you know Carmelo maybe Carmelo, but it would have been interesting to see him with that team, to see him with Larry Brown as his coach, to see like Rip Hamilton and these other guys kind of like see if they could you know put him in the right place. Who knows? Yeah. No, I agree. But I like the interview a lot. I mean, I like any interview where the guy's going to like, you know. I like that he doesn't hold back. I absolutely agree. I like that Ben's going on this podcast, which, by the way, it's kind of like the black eye version of ours. They're on a couch. Yep. So, uh, shout out to the 120 podcast. Ben, Ben's voice is better than all of ours, though. That voice is it's very white-esque. Incredible. I love it. I want. I, he might be on Cameo. I might ask him to say a couple things on my behalf. Check that for you. Thank you. Ben on Cameo. <laughs> Hey, Tug. Uh, you you're right, actually. Carmelo would have won us a chip. I want to do in-person cameos. Can, can like, why, why do people? Why do celebrities not offer like, hey, for a thousand dollars, I'll show up to your birthday party? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, for this much, I'll show up and uh, tell your friend he's a bitch to his face. You can get a Ben Wallace cameo for thirty-one dollars. Thirty-one dollars. What's, yeah. what's that one about? Agents. Uh, it, it's actually only thirty dollars and ninety-nine cents. Okay. Well, it's still same same diff. I mean, Um, question for you. Yes. 
Let's talk about your brother Mark for one second. Okay. What cameo would you give your brother? Do you, have, do you could you rifle could you rifle off a cameo for your brother right now? Like Chris Sabo, automatic. Norm Charlton. Wait, this is this is for my brother? Yeah, like a cameo. Like if you're you're doing a birthday, like his birthday was coming up, and oh, you had to do a cameo. That's my uh, little brother. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a great question. I don't know. He's a dentist, so who's mo- <laughs> the who- number one dentist? <laughs> who's the, who's the? Can I mention? And my brother listens to the show, and I don't know if he'll hear this because I don't know if he listens to full episodes. But dude, he just got on Instagram. My little brother's thirty-five. Oh, they got Darren the dentist, Stewart, the MMA fighter. Okay, there, there we, we go. go. That would be amazing. Also, thirty-one dollars. I, I gotta say, he's the same price as Ben Wallace. Yeah. I, my little brother just got on Instagram, and he's a dentist. His first picture was like. Some nasty mouth of some dude that he just worked on his teeth. Mark, if you hear this, nobody wants to see that. And he texts me, he goes, I don't understand this Instagram. I'm like, well, this is like boomer-esque. You're 35. But post pictures of your kids. They're pretty kids. Post pictures with your family. Tug, your your father is an orthodontist, correct? Retired, but yes. Nobody wants to see pictures of the teeth you just worked on. No. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe the finish. The, the, the after part. <laughs> You, you know, you want to promote yourself, your work. Yeah, not, not the nasty root canal yeah. or, or whatever my little brother posted. I'm uh, thinking off the cuff about my personal cameo. Like, if my wife were to give me one for my birthday, I think I think Michael Irvin would be my number one. I mean, I've met Larry Bird, so I don't need it. I don't need, but Michael Irvin might be my number one cameo. You know, we met him. Yeah, and you loved him, right? He was great. He's such a nice guy. We met him. Uh, Goldberg set it up. We went to the NFL Network a couple years ago after they did their show, and he was so friendly, and he took pictures with us, and... Uh, he said that his wife picks out. I said, I said, dude, you always dress so fresh, Michael. What's what's the key? He's like, my wife, man. He goes, she just lays it out in the bed for me. Key's money. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I started to do for Nick. I, I laid out. I, well, this is a good segue into Saturday night, by the way. I, I laid out his clothes uh, for Saturday night as we did the live Wilder Fury round due. But before we get to that, Tug, I just want to remind Every dirt ball to get themselves some manscaped support for man support. Yeah, I can't talk. Great start to this ad read. Support for dirty sports comes from manscaped dirt balls. Who's the best in the men's below the belt grooming manscaped who this is true. This is actually a great segue was one of the sponsors of the Wilder Fury fight. Yeah. I see the Manscaped brand growing. I, yeah. see, I see it out there for sure. They are manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. I love Manscaped. In fact, I am going to probably be using Manscaped this week. So, Nick, uh, hopefully I don't leave a mess in the bathroom. Got to trim the hedges, as they say. I got a lawnmower 3.0 that just arrived. That is the latest edition of the Manscaped, the lawnmower 3.0, and it is absolutely amazing. It is the best Manscaped that is available, and they also have so many great products that I have that I use and uh, no more accidents when trimming the hedges, guys. Manscaped will eliminate all that problem. And best of all, you get 25, I'm sorry, 20% off plus free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use promo code DIRTY. 
Uh, send me a screenshot that you use Manscaped. I don't want to see the pictures of you Manscaping yourself, but I'd love to see you using promo code DIRTY at Manscaped.com for 20% off, and I will send you a couple koozies in the mail. Now, we watched the fight, the big fight this week. The big heavyweight match was um, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, after they had a draw in the first bout. We went live, Tug Coker. This was your idea. You and Nick, I actually, it was a joint effort. You set it up. You said, hey, Ruther, what about us going live in the Smut Studio? Another reason why you should be subscribed to us on YouTube. You never know. I love that. There's a lot of spontaneity involved. That well, Saturday afternoon, I said, you know what? Want to watch the fight? And then I think you suggested, maybe we dress up. So we don our Saturday night best, suit up. Yeah. And have a great time calling the fight. It was, I thought it was a blast. I don't know if you guys thought, but... Uh, I really enjoyed it. it. It was a... Would you call it a relatively quick fight? Seven rounds. TKO by, by Fury, who was... A technician, I would call it, in this fight. He was he was amazing. I agree, and we you know we talked a little bit about the fight, you know, obviously why it was going on, but there's some fun stuff to learn after the fact. Um, talking about he, he switched trainers before the, this fight, went back to the the, the basics, learned uh, you know, you know, and we saw it. We saw skill take place where we th- we we all agree as we were watching it that Wilder was you know following his name. It was just all over the place, just so wild with his swing, you know, yeah. his swinging. Sure. Just trying to end the fight. He kind of knew that he was in trouble early on, and it was just trying to time a big shot. It's going for that knockout. Didn't ever really come. He got that shot behind the back of the head, gets knocked down, starts to bleed from the ear. Yeah. And it's never really the same. He loses – the power seems to be gone. The stamina in his legs is gone. And it really – it didn't look like Fury had to work that hard. I mean, I feel like they, their game plan was so set in stone. There was no changes you know, mid-fight from Wilder's corner. And the rest was history. Yeah. When they would cut to the corners in between rounds, Fury didn't even look phased. He looked calm. You didn't see much sweat. You didn't see any blood. And then you go to Wilder's corner. Spitting blood. He looked like a sorority girl. (laughs) Ten rounds deep at the bar. Like, this is a debacle over here. It's kind of like, as a guy who ran two marathons last year, that would always anger me because I'd be that guy, let's say, mile 15, 16, and I'm, and I'm thinking I hate my life. And then there's those runners who are just just cruising right along, and they just have it all together, and you're thinking, man, how am I going to finish this thing? Where they're basically planning dinner plans in their head. You're like, I should have actually had some water <laughs> before I ran. <laughs> Turns out you actually need water for a marathon. And we had, a, we had the prettiest ring girl you could find. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Our ring girl was Nicholas D'Alessandro, who was donning my outfit, my my flag, my old flag and anthem. That's right. Sports jacket and flag and anthem chinos. The reporters at the red carpet were asking me who I was wearing. I just answered Andy Ruther. <laughs> yeah, there were a few like, uh, why does Nick look so uh, ill-fitted in his clothes? Well, but I thought they fit him pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, the, no, everything was great. The the, the jacket chinos. especially, I thought. Yeah. The chinos, I thought, were maybe also a, very, oh, maybe a little big, maybe a little big, long, I should say. Yeah, I'm 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 like a couple inches taller than you, not much. Yeah, yeah, you got a little bit of length on me. We'll learn about all this during our uh, our combine measurements Ooh. later in the episode. Ooh, <laughs> a little a little tug nug preview a little tease, but um, no, it was really fun. It was fun for us to kind of get together and 
it felt like uh, days gone by, like big 90s fights and heavyweight fights, because for so long, the heavyweight division has been kind of devoid of real drama. I agree. Real anticipation. And it's similar to what we talked about with the Lakers, the Celtics, Cowboys, and Niners. Like, when you have big heavyweights, it's better for the sport. It really is. And this did have a lot of hype. Biggest biggest box office, you said, right? It was it was the most it was the highest grossing for ticket sales at the MGM. Okay. So, so total. Yeah. It it surpassed um, I believe Bo Lewis from ninety nine. I think it was that fight. So obviously inflation plays into this as far as ticket sales are gonna be a lot more expensive in twenty one you know, twenty one years later. But yeah, it this is I know is a lot of hype. I had a phone call yesterday with my dad. And, you know, he's a casual sports fan. He said, and he doesn't follow boxing at all. He said, oh, you guys called that. I've heard a lot of things about that. My dad said he had heard a lot of things coming up to that fight, Mm -hmm. which to me shows you're right. There was a lot of hype and buildup for this fight. And I hope they fight again. Well, you know, Wilder has um, an immediate rematch clause in the contract. 30 days that kicks off as soon as the fight is over. And there was some discussion. I, I saw Andre Ward on the air talking about whether or not he would um, act, you know, act on that clause. He thinks he will not. I think that's an obvious no-brainer because there's so much money involved. Yeah. He, he, could, he could fight the next fight, lose again, and never have to – you know, he should be covered for life. Yeah. You know, the kind of money that we're talking about here. But and he, it, he it, thinks it, – a lot of what happens – sorry to just cut, cut you off real fast – is that um, what he's saying, and I agree with this, you see this with Mike Tyson, you see this with uh, guys like Sergey Kovalev, who's a big light heavyweight. Once these bullies get bullied, it so- sort of like breaks the- their whole like psychology. Yeah. It's hard for them to sort of, I've been busted. Can I ever get back? You, you see that a lot of times in this, uh, in this sport. So I'll be interested to see if he finds a way to say, let me get some skills, let me become a better boxer, Yeah, and I can come back. But I saw earlier... Uh, Vegas, if they said the hypothetical odds were we had Fury as a, as an underdog uh, on Saturday night at plus 115, he'd be a minus 330 favorite, 3-1 to one, uh, favorite in the next fight. Fury would. Yep. And as we noted during the live broadcast, which if you want to go back and watch it, it is on YouTube, he's going to need that fight because he's going to need money because he spent it all <laughs> on his outfit for his intro walking into the ring. I mean, we talked about this during the fight, but like, there's a lot of comments on his pacing before fights. Uh, Fury was carried out on a throne. Yes. So didn't do any sort of nervous, wasted energy. And our boy Wilder carried a 200-pound uh, piece of chain mail. Yes. And uh, looked like a knight with this full, uh, full regalia. Yeah. I got excited there for a second because for a minute, I thought we were watching The Masked Singer. <laughs> Which we might see Deontay Wilder on uh, next season. Already, this season, huge promotion last episode. Wilder Fury, Mass Singer. Nick wants that so badly. Talk about promotion. You know you're getting promoted well when you're on the number one TV show in America. When is the last time you watched The Mass Singer? When Antonio Brown was on, I'm sure. No, uh, it was uh, two weeks ago. I missed a couple episodes. I hope this is a joke. Is it a good show? It's a great show. Okay, I'll give it a chance. I've I've attempted to watch it. I'll give it a chance. It's it's a no for me. I just I can't do it. Oh, oh Randy Jackson. Yeah, that's that's a no for me. Dog. I wasn't feeling dog. I now dog. That's an that that's an that's a no for me, dog. So 
you want to talk a little NFL? Because I feel like you have your own combine idea. You're not, re- not really. It's just it's just a special day because it's all the um, you know uh, hand sized Twitter is going off out there because oh, they're so stupid. They've measured the quarterbacks and I believe the wide receivers and tight ends for size, weight, and for for every, all the players also hand size. And now we know. How much hand size has been a big deal, uh, whether or not it matters, but it's been a part of people's draft capital for the past few years. And um, Joe Burrow, the presumptive number one pick, came in with the same size hands as Jared Goff, smaller hands than Alex Smith, who, they, who his nickname was Old Small Hands, I believe, uh, you know, affectionately. I'm sure he loved it. Um, so nine uh, whatever that whatever that measurement is nine nine inches, nine inches. um and i think there's a couple guys out there that have uh you know not that it's it's all relatives not between nine and ten two huge hands two is a ten right ten there's a kid Bry- bryce love from utah state i think it's jordan love oh so thank you jordan love has ten and like almost ten and a half it is ten and a half for some reason it says ten and four eighths yeah well let, let me just let me just say this. we don't reduce fractions here let me just say this about this crap. This is crap. Just, people have too much time on their hands. People shouldn't have jobs. I'm going to quote my brother because my brother was texting me about this today. This is how he describes it. This is paralysis by analysis. Stupid takes. Rhyme time. And, and I like that because th- these are dumb takes. You have too much time on your hands. I watched Joe Burrow. You watched him. We all watched Joe Burrow, what he did this year. The guy was absolutely amazing. The best season for a college football quarterback in the history of the sport. In the best conference against the best teams week in and week out. He didn't just put up great numbers. He put up record-breaking numbers against top 10 teams. So I don't want to hear about his hand size. The guy can clearly throw a football, and he can throw it with accuracy. This is, this is a dumb—this is a myth, and I'm just going to say it because— you think about it, it's like the myth, oh, you got big hands, you got a big dick. You got small hands, you got a small dick. Well, you know what? I got little hands. Got a 14-inch dick. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's incredible. Uh, but but let's, let's measure my hands because I have probably the smallest hands of anybody in the city of Los Angeles. I that, measured my hands today just for, just for the purposes of the show. I think they came out at 9 and 3 eighths. Now, so I'd me- say just above average, but probably a little small for my size. Are you measuring from which? which? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm measuring from my middle to my ring finger. Oh. No, I'm kidding. I'm measuring from my thumb to my pinky. All the way across. Almost the same size as Jacob Eason. Yeah, me and I, I like Jacob's game a lot. All right, so we have a tape measure. Where's the, where's the, the tape measure? I gave it to you. It's uh, oh, yeah, it's right, right next to you. Thank you. All right, so we have a tape measure. I'm putting my hand, putting my mic down. All right, so thumb. Put your pinky here. Yep, and then spread, spread your thumb all the way across. All right, and we're going to hold this and then we'll pull it up. Clearly, we have too much time on our hands. Okay, this looks to me. No, no one more time. One more time. We do it. Live. I want a photo for uh, for Instagram, but now it looks like spread it as far as you can. Hard, hard, hard. Six. I'm looking at a seven. I see seven inches. Bigger than Burrow. No, Burrow's no, nine. No, never mind. <laughs> Burrow's two inches. <laughs> two more. Two more inches of hand than Andy Ruther. 
Seven inches. Also the size of my, you know what. <laughs> I'm just saying. Times two. You want to do mine? Sure, right. let's do it. Hop on over here, Nick. Please make more noise while you do that. <laughs> All right, hop on in here. Get, get in the camera. It's fine. So we have, we have Nick measuring his hand size. Yeah, do your right hand. It's it's yeah, it's pinky to thumb. Now spread out your hands. Nick's a lot bigger than me. What are we at? Okay, go go further. I see eight, eight, almost eight and a quarter. Let's say eight and a quarter. It's a pretty, pretty decent sized hand there for, for a man of your stature. Yeah. So the combine begins. We'll have to get the tw- the second half of the twin towers, uh, and when Joe comes back and get a little hand measure me- measurement from Joe. Um. I mean, it, I mean, I probably am, eleven or twelve if I'm guessing. I'm embarrassingly small. It, it really is. That's a that's interesting. So I have, and he's a big kid, and he he's projected to be probably around your height. One of my nephews, he's only eight, but he's he's definitely going to be six four, six five, maybe six six. His hands are either my size, I forget, or bigger. He's in the second grade. Sometimes when I shake your hand, I think I'm shaking my my fifteen month old yeah hand. You think it's a turnoff for women? I'll just be honest. No, I think they can relate to your hand. You think like if I'm holding a girl's hand, she's like, God, this guy's such a such a putz. Like, look at this guy. Does a girl ever say, Oh, it's so cute. I'm actually holding your hand. No. <laughs> just kidding. But not but it's it's never it's never been in my head, but maybe it should be. Right? Like our girl's like, dude, I'm I'm holding this guy's hands down the street. It's like I'm holding the little boy's hands. Wait, did, has Costanza has Seinfeld ever done an episode about hand size or or There's herb? Because I feel like this should be twenty first century. There's Seinfeld. an episode where Costanza becomes a hand model. I know. I'm not sure about hand size. I feel like if this show is still going, they would do a sort of an NFL Combine episode. I think they've done stuff with it. Well, they've done a man hands. Do you know that episode? Of course, of course. Which, by the way, is a real thing. I agree. Especially as a guy with small hands. Yeah, you don't have man hands. No, I can't be dating a girl with like man hands. Because then it's just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't put anything into this, right? Like, we can't put any value into this stuff, can we? As far as for draft purposes. Yeah. No, because um, I think, um, like I said, Goff has those hands. Um, I don't. I, uh, Russell Wilson's hands, were, I think, were a little bit bigger. But I think it's more about Tua came in at six foot tall. I think they, the projection was they wanted him to be a little bit bigger. Um. I just I don't understand the Tua thing. I I I've, Joe is on board with this. I just before He's the pro Tua, we we are both anti Tua. Colin Coward today, and this may be a reason for you to be excited. I was driving home uh, before I came over here, and Colin Coward said that his tier one for draft quarterbacks this year, by far and away, is Tua. Wilson, ten and a quarter inches. Ten and a quarter is big for a guy who's yeah. in a, your boy yeah. Dak. Largest hands of any quarterback in the league. Which are? 10.88. That's that's a monster. Uh, again, my thing with Tua. Oh, I'm sorry. Jim Druckenmiller at 11 and a quarter. Old Virginia Tech quarterback. Tug, no quarterback from the, the college, no quarterback from Bama has ever been good. Ever. I, again, I like to ride with history. Joe Namath? Joe Namath threw more interceptions than touchdowns. 
We're talking about a guy in his 60s. Okay, I'm he, was, he was drunk half the time. Kenny Stabler. Did he go to Bama? Yeah. But it's been a while, is what you're saying. No quarterback from Bama in the Nick Saban era has done anything at the pro level. I was not on Tua before the injury. Then he has this awful injury? Hell no. I, I, I would want no part of Tua. No way. One of the reasons hand size, I think, matters is because it affects your uh, ability to grip the ball in the warmer weather, like the humidity. I think Joe Burrow has disproved that theory because he's been playing in LSU games yeah. for the past year. Maybe we'll have to get Coach O next episode. But there is the last thing I'll say about this draft-related thing is there's apparently some buzz going around that Burrow, is uh, make, his team is making waves to say, I don't want to be a part of the Bengals organization. Love it. Absolutely love it. So, look, as this a, is a real thing. Apparently, I've heard of multiple different sources. Uh, you know, my sources down at the, uh, at the at the combine are saying that his people are going around, sort of spreading the word, saying uh, it's an it's. Can we move off this pick? I'll list a few names right now of guys who did not go to their team. Everybody always brings up Eli. Dude, there's way more than that. These are the these are quarterbacks, and let's look at how all their careers turned out. These are quarterbacks who were drafted by a team that they didn't want to play for. John Elway, number one. It's like the number. That's like the. That's the guy. One two Super Bowls. Yeah. Eli Manning, one two Super Bowls. Steve Young, drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, goes to the USFL, ends up on the Niners, wins a Super Bowl. Jim Kelly, drafted by the Buffalo Bills, doesn't play for them either. Goes to the USFL, ultimately plays for the Bills, makes it to four Super Bowls. So my argument is this. All these instances, guys were extremely successful. Jim Kelly's the only one of those who I listed who didn't win a Super Bowl. What What is the argument for for Burrow to go to the Bengals? Also, Pat Mahomes, drafted by the Tigers, never played for him. Amazing. What, what, what was that? I don't know. What, what did that have to do with anything that I'm having a conversation Re- about? Just quarterbacks that are in play for teams that are drafted by. And he was so impassioned, and you, you just blew that up. Michael Vick, Colorado Rockies. Nick, we're talking about guys. <laughs> He's getting muted. Do you see my point, though, Todd? Yeah. I think I have a valid point in that these it worked out for every single one of these guys. Name a quarterback who didn't want to play for the team that drafted him where it didn't work out. It, it always worked out. I think, you know what, you know what I think is happening as well? I think it's, you know, George, Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan. Correct. Has become a renowned foot quarterback guru. Correct. And a lot of the rumors seem to be starting from around that the Palmer family saying, you don't want to be a part of this or yeah. organization. Now, these are rumors, but that's where it's stemming from. And so you're right. I mean, if you, you, you have the muscle to say yes or no. The, the, the problem is, is that Joe Burrow is old for a quarterback. He's actually, I think, just he's maybe older than the MVP of the league. Uh, he is. He is. Um, Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson. So he wants to go play. I mean, the time of you know, I'm talking about the idea of like maybe sitting out. You know, that was a threat that Elway you know made. So who knows? But you you know the Bengals organization better than obviously anyone on this podcast. And you know that they're not. You, your theory is they'll never never be better with this ownership in place. They just won't. The facts don't lie. They have never won a playoff game since Mike Brown took over. 
And they've had teams. They've had squads. They've had amazingly talented teams. Burrow, older than Lamar by a month. Yeah. My I, age. I, I just don't... I quote tweeted some dork bang, Bengals blogger last week who's like, why would Burrow want to go to Miami versus Cincinnati? First of all, if you're, if you're a Bengals fan, what are you... Like, what? I just... I get angry. I get frustrated. What are you doing? Stop supporting this organization. Mike Brown does not care about you as a fan. He doesn't care about you as a player, as a coach. It's 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 just it gets under my skin. I understand if you live in Cincinnati and you say, who should I support? Don't support them. He is the worst owner ever. He's awful. He's an abomination to his father. Paul Brown, why would you play for the Cincinnati? Give me one reason, because he's going to get the money no matter where he goes. Give me one reason right now. You doing Tracy Chapman right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but... Um... Give me one reason to stay here. <laughs> Thank you. They should run that when Burrow comes on TV. I mean, I mean, talk, again, I'm obviously close to the situation. I grew up there. I, I could be maybe like, like, tell me how, where I'm wrong in this assessment. I mean, do, do the Chargers go all in and reboot with, you know, make a move? You know. The, the the Dolphins. I don't know what the Ohio uh, tax structure is, but obviously people love going. Athletes love going to to Miami, to Florida because of the no state, state income tax. tax. So I mean, that should be end of end of blog. It, it, end of blog. It was like that dork I just wrote. Okay, put everything aside. Living in Cincinnati, living in Miami, Ohio River, ocean, Cuban girls, Cincinnati girls who eat skyline. Like let's just. It's it's not. That's what people need to remember. It's not. It's not just about the team. It is about your quality of life. You're going to get a boatload of money whether you play for the Dolphins or the Bengals or the Chargers. Like you're saying, whoever. But you want to set... Here's the thing about life. You want to set yourself up for success. You and I have... You know what I love about our friendship and we've had so many deep talks about this. When you make plans on things, they have to be calculated. They have to be well thought out. Do you want to go to the Bengals and have your career just lit on fire? Or do you want to go to a team that has a better chance of you being successful? The only thing I can think of, I mean, in addition to being this number one pick, going to the Bengals, is, he, is he's from Ohio. You know, does he want to be the sort of the, the native son that brings a title to the state? But is that, is that, is that enough? I don't know. Again, these are all rumors that are just floating around. It makes that's what makes the draft, you know. I'm sorry, the combine, so much fun. He's um, also from the other side of the state, complete opposite side, and you could easily make the argument: the last quote unquote prototypical NFL quarterback that went number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's actually not an argument. Was also a Heisman winner, Carson Palmer. And Carson Palmer had a pretty good career. I think so. And Carson Palmer put up some great numbers on those Bengals teams. Carson Palmer also never won a playoff game. And also literally retired 
or forced the Bengals to play his hand, saying, I'm not going to play for them anymore. And Carson Palmer, like you're saying, with his connection, obviously, to his brother, Jordan Palmer, is already on record. We've discussed it on this show, saying, do not go to Cincinnati. Just don't go. If you're hearing that from a former number one pick, from a former Heisman winner, why would you want to go there? I, I just, I, I don't understand this, this notion of they're unsavable. Look, we've said this before, but I think like, you know, I, I saw some uh, analytics as, you know, people know I like the, the numbers. People talk about the two positions that you want to be drafting in the first round that, that are really have a high hit rate. Well, not a high hit rate, but the, uh, the high hit rate, number one, is cornerback. Cornerback. Corner. Corner. Okay. Like a, the, the, the biggest successes the, of, of, of cornerbacks seem to be the position you want to draft. If there's elite cornerbacks, corner, you want to draft them. Yeah. Because the, 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 the position changes the game the most. That is, makes sense. Is quarterback. Therefore, you want to take as many shots as possible. Sure. Um, so, you know, we talk about this, you know, obviously Burrow's the guy and you want to put invest all your capital, but maybe you take another shot late too. You know, it's like we talk about with, um, uh, RG three Kirk cousins. Yeah. You know, years ago, uh, they, you know, one was drafted first round, one was drafted third round. Well, I had so. this on the rundown. We don't really have to go into it. Jim Irsay recently said last week that had Russell Wilson still been available, the Colts were going to draft both him and Andrew Luck. That's interesting. That I mean, yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy. But I guess you bring that up because in case you in case you you need insurance in case Burrow does the holdout situation, you need to draft somebody else. If I'm Burrow, I kind of want to go to Cincinnati and be the hero. You know, isn't there some kind of isn't there something for going somewhere and rebuilding something and having that in your repertoire? You can be the Luke Skywalker of the Bengals instead of Luke Skywalker. You're the Luke Sky Line Chili. Oh man. We got to get Nick outside. Yeah, <laughs> just take a break. <laughs> this, he's, he's just coasting off the success of his rap bit. I know what you're. Episode. Yeah, and I know what you're saying, Nick. But there is no savior. Uh, again, that's why I used Carson Palmer as the example. There, there has been no savior, and I love Burrow. I am a huge fan of Burrow. I'm all in his corner. Even if Burrow goes to the Bengals, I want Burrow to succeed. I like him as a player. I like him as a person. But I just don't think it's possible. The numbers don't lie on what the Bengals as an organization have compared to the other cities. Here's a prime example. The the Bengals are the most northern team geographically in the country that does not have an indoor practice facility these are basic amenities i don't know if you want to call it amenities that every pro team has but again the Bengals owner is so cheap a lot of people don't know this when the cincinnati Bengals have to practice indoors since they don't have their own practice facility they have to go down to the university of cincinnati they have to go to the they have to downgrade to the college team go bearcats who has an indoor practice facility and to me that's that, that is amazing that's right. an amazing Doug. And that's just one example of people say, oh, Ruther, this and that. No, guys, I'm not exaggerating. They have to go to the local college when it gets cold in December. That That is embarrassing that your owner won't spend $10 million 
to get an indoor practice facility. And again, this is one of many things. Why do you want to put yourself in that position? I get what you're saying about being the savior. No one has ever been the savior. They will never win anything as long as this man's family is part of the ownership. And luckily he's old and uh, he's going to die soon. It's, it's good for Cincinnati people. And then his daughter will probably take it over. Uh, her name's Katie Blackburn, but she might sell the team. Who knows? I just, I don't see, you couldn't put anything in front of me. Like, that's the only argument that people are going to show me is that he wants to be the savior. But, but why? Like, that's not something I want to save. But, yeah. it, but again, I, look, I'm rooting for the guy. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I'm rooting for him. Even though he has small hands. Yeah. But you can relate to that. Well, that uh, makes me reform even more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Help me, Joe Biwan Baromi. You're my only hope. Oh, no. Is this just a show of puns now? <laughs> dirty puns? <laughs> we went from dirty sports to dapper sports to dirty puns. <laughs> this show is off the rails. Yes, it is. You know what I need to give you, Nick, to calm you down a little. Some of that feels... Guys, if you're experiencing any stress, anxiety, or chronic pain, trouble sleeping, you're not alone. We all deal with this. And you know what's been helping us sleep at night? Our friends at Feels, a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Like I said, it helps you naturally reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness, which I know I've had some of that lately, and my knees have been aching me through all the running I've been doing, and Feels has been helping me get through the night. All you need to do is place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. It acts that quickly. I know it's helped me the last few months since we started using Feels. You feel better. I feel better. You'll feel better. Hop on. Get yourself some Feels. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash dirty sports and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping once again that's f-e-a-l-s dot com slash dirty sports to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com forward slash dirty sports 50% off I know a lot of you dirtballs love CBD and you will love feels so join today Feels.com forward slash dirty sports for 50% off. Just want to quickly add that um, Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia, came in with eight inches and seven eighths. Okay. So that's another guy for you to root for this this draft season. Very attractive mom, too. Very important. Where would you say he was from? Georgia. Is there a pun you, I was supposed to hit a pun? That, that, that was the pun. Well, there's been a lot of comedy or attempts at comedy to show. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's the natural segue to I think I think we wrap up the show cuz I know this is going to be a, a lengthy discussion. You know what, no comment on 17 game season, real quick. You you, I, you can hop in here. Actually, actually uh I don't have much to say. I'm more interested in your opinion. I mean, you think more people I know uh, the players hate playing preseason, so they eliminate one game of the preseason. There's always some money issues. I actually thought it was a, a hard no from the CBA. Yeah, uh, from the, the players' union uh, for the collective bargaining, but it was apparently pretty contentious. It was like six to five, so and it goes to the players now. But I think 
The people are really considering it. I think it should be a hard no for the players. A 17 game season? Correct. No, for the for the money cuz the money if you saw what they're being offered, like the people that were the multimillionaires were still getting like just a couple hundred grand. Like there's just not en- enough money involved. Yeah. So my take is this. I agree. Compensate, take care of the players. Yes. As a fan, I love football. Of course. So if you're going to throw me an extra game and one last preseason game, I love that as a fan. Just it's just the weird thing of um It'll likely end the 500. It'll obviously end the 500 team getting in the playoffs thing that was always like they're so bad. Like now that that forever puts that to rest. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. As, as a fan, we love more football and less preseason. Yeah. Let's just get to it. And as a current Los Angeles Chargers ticket Ooh. holder, made my first payment last week. It's official. Hey, I'm all about one extra game. One extra game that I can decide to take you. Or Nick too, whatever it may be. And that'll be interesting though for the for the teams to figure out though that extra game who's getting it. And that's a lot of revenue. Oh yeah. For half for half the the, the teams. Yeah. Other half don't get it, and that'll probably mean that you know Jacksonville will soon be playing you know nine games in London. <laughs> oh Jacksonville, yeah. No, I, I again as a fan, yeah. But the players need to be compensated for what they're putting their bodies through. Okay, so we alluded to it earlier in the show, Tug. There was a tweet that went out from Jimmy Traina. Yep. Run sports, sports media for the Sports Illustrated. Again, his tweet said, The Hangover, top 10 comedy of all time. Not even debatable, right? And uh, if you look under the comments, it clearly was debatable. So you said we should come up with our top 10 movie comedies of all time. And here's what I'm going to say before we jump into this. This was very difficult for me. And you're probably not going to like how I handle this. Although I feel like you're, you're pretty understanding, kind of like how we did our top 10 stories. Yeah. And I lumped things together. Because th- this, this is tough for me for a few reasons. One, a lot of these movies that I really liked, I maybe have not seen in a while. And I need to get reacquainted. Interesting. So well, you, you you said it right. Like we approached the, the top ten list uh, differently. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to see what your parameters are for your top ten. So I have a list of 25 movies in front of me. Yay! So, so hold on. I'm not. We're not going to go over all 25. All right. But I, I had to. I had to just start writing a list of movies that I loved or I felt are classics. Um, but this is definitely personal. I don't want people thinking, oh, that's not a top ten. This, these are Andy Ruth. Correct. I think that's, we should say that about all of our lists. This is, these are our top ten. Yeah. This isn't for everyone. Yeah. So with that being said, I also put things in genres of like, I don't know, like these few, you're going to hate this, these few early 2000s. The thought behind it I do love. You know, because you can see I have a big list. I have different colored movies highlighted. So you did it. I did it, and Nick did it. And so, obviously, we have different age. You and I are in the same age group. Yep. Nick is 23 years old. He's going to have, I assume, a completely different thought process on this. So, these are our top 10 movie comedies of all time. I'd like to start with you. My number 10? Or just my list? I'm not numbering mine in order. Okay, great. I'm going to do this. I have nine, and I was going to allow one. Uh, of your free agents come over to my side. Okay, I love this. So Either mine or Andy's? My, yes, I'm okay. going to choose one from your side. Okay. So my buddy Sam Alipore, who works for uh, ESPN, 
put out his list, and I was like, and it did, and did not include Dumb and Dumber. And a bunch of people were. I said, listen, your your list is not correct because it doesn't have Dumb and Dumber. I agree. And several people like piled on that, which I loved. So shout out to Sham, Sam, but uh, that's a that's a falsehood. Dumb and Dumber is a hundred percent in the top ten. Uh, it's it's one of the most quotable Thank movies you. of all time. I think that that's uh, Nick brought up a great point. Real quick, sorry to hop in here. He said that yesterday. He was like, "If it's quotable, D- Dumb and Dumber. If I say, if we're out at the grocery store and I say, so you're saying there's a chance? Yes, people know. I feel like gifts in this current day and age are important. Uh, quotability, rewatchability, uh, are all part of the, my components for why I picked these. Dumb and Dumber. I actually think I like it more. It's it's one of those comedies that actually gets better for me. Yeah. I think I've watched it the first time and I was like, it's funny. Then I watched it again. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And then the hundredth time I'm saying, you know. I missed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. We landed on the moon. Yeah. Like, that's just a classic subtle bit as he walks out the door. Just another joke that Jim Carrey ad-libbed on his, on, oh, yeah. like, during the day. So for me, Dumb and Dumber, if not the top, right at the top. So now I'm going to go to some other ones that I think maybe are outside. I'm going to do some ones that I think people are like, you're, you're crazy. This is a rom-com. I'm just going to say it. When Harry Met Sally with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan is amazing. Uh, and um, it should be somewhere on people's list. If you're looking for a date night movie and you haven't seen it yet, take it, take it with your girl or guy. Watch that movie. Um, the Jerk. An old school, oh, an old school movie. Thank you. But I feel like uh, everyone should be watching that movie. Uh, Steve Martin is one of my comedy idols. Prano should be a part of this uh, po- uh, this at some point, but uh, Steve Martin is one of my guys, and he is amazing in that, and it's hilarious. Well, let's all kind of, in a way, I think we'll be doing this together because yeah. The Jerk has to be on your top ten. I agree. It's so funny. If you have not seen The Jerk, if you're younger, came out in the 70s, it's so brilliantly written. I mean, the opening scene is Steve Martin on like a rural farm in Mississippi and you know he's he was the, born a poor he, black boy. He says I'm born a poor <laughs> black boy cuz he was raised by an all black family just from the get go. It's amazing. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um and uh so that's that's like my old you know and, and I know what people are going to talk about I'm sure maybe the Zucker the Zucker brothers are going to be in there for your list Anchorman things oh, I'm sorry uh, airplane. Yeah. But I, Anchorman is my next one. It's for me super quotable watchable, hilarious Anchorman's on my list. Can, can I share, can I share like a, per, like it's really personal now. I, fuck, I might even get emotional about, about my mom because you're saying when Harry met Sally and, and I don't, I don't know, oh, I don't know if I should share this. I don't know. Do if, it. I don't know if it's going to bother my family oh. but my dad shared it with me and I love it and I don't have that on my list but, so my mom is very, my mom was very like, you know, conservative and like, we were strict Catholics. And my dad tells me this story after my mom dies. And it's like, it's involves when Harry met Sally. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe mom did that. But it made me love my mom that much more. So my parents are go to this place in northern Kentucky called the Elks Lodge. It's like a membership place. They don't belong there. They go with friends. It's a dinner place. And uh, this is just a few years ago. In the middle of dinner, my mom's apparently sauced up. She starts reenacting the famous fake orgasm yes. scene. In the middle of dinner. And all these like hotty toddy, you know, posh people are staring in this 
whatever this restaurant like lodge thing is and my mom's faking an orgasm and she's just going off the walls if you haven't seen the movie you have to see it yep. the whole i'll have what she's having seen and as they're driving back apparently my mom looks at my dad and she says i can't believe i did that but i've always wanted to do that <laughs> and my dad tells me that story and i said dad when did this happen because he didn't tell me that part I said, when you in your early tw- when mom was in her early twenties when you were dating, my dad goes, no, your mom did that like five years ago. But it was such a great story to go back to the movie was that like my mom in her sixties, and it's funny hearing my dad saying, your mom's faking an orgasm in the middle of everybody, and they're looking at her like she's a lunatic. But like I loved hearing that story of like, that's a part of me how I can be, you know what I'm saying? Like, but it goes back to that movie, the imprint that it left on obviously my mom. Yeah. And it's one of the great comedies that I think can cross both uh, for men and women. I think both yeah. people can get into it. And it's like, that's kind of what the movie's about. I agree. So, uh, like I said, if you haven't seen it, and Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner directed it. Rob Reiner's mom famously said, I'll have what she's having. So I'll just give you my list and then you can debate off that. The one, the one I'm willing to be talked off of is Tropic Thunder. Mm. I remember that that expe- the reason I put it on the list is because I went and saw it in the movie theater and I remember laughing as hard as any time in my life with that movie. Um edgy, maybe not a movie for the, for these times, but uh but but hilarious. And there's a character named Tug in it with one extra G, which I don't approve of. But uh, here's my list. Dumb and Dumber, Billy Madison, The Jerk, Naked Gun, when Harry Met Sally, Tropic Thunder, Anchorman, Groundhog Day, and then, I don't know if it's quite a comedy, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm putting it in Rushmore. Okay. So that's my list. And I have one more spot out there that I'm willing to be convinced by you two to put it in the list. Interesting. Thoughts on that list? I like it. I have, I have, we have some similarities. Um... Anchorman's and Anchorman doesn't make my list. Let me just quickly say the Hangover probably not in the top twenty for me. Yeah. Uh, just to answer the original tweet. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, the Hangover I remember being being entertaining, but I I probably put it around. It might make the bottom half of the twenties or twenty five. I think it might make it in there. Great movie. There's I, no doubt. I'm just talking about iconic movies. I agree. That impacted my life. I agree. So 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 here's what I'll say about that list. I I, I have similarities. Did you have Naked Gun? I did. I have The Jerk. Yep. I have Naked Gun. I have Dumb and Dumber. Yep. So we have, we have three similarities okay, there. Okay, good. We have some room to debate. Also on my list, for sure, Caddyshack. Yep. Animal House. Blazing Saddles. Yep. The Sheriff is near. Um... And I discussed this with Nick's dad last night. It's tough for me not to put Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's a great movie. I don't know if it's, a, it's it falls in like the Rushmore line to me, where it's like, is it just a really good movie or is it a comedy or do we even have that question? So. And that's what I'm saying. So, so that's a tough one. And, and this one's gonna bother a lot of people, but I don't care. I've I've watched this movie. So, college, I used to watch this so many times. I, I think it holds up. I think it's still funny, especially in today's PC age. And I think a lot of people disrespect it when I look at list and don't even mention it. The South Park movie. 
bigger, longer, and uncut. I think it was brilliant. And the history behind that was that they weren't going to approve it. The uh, what, what's what's it called? Was it the motion pictures? Yeah, whatever the MPA uh, organization. Motion Pictures Association. Yeah. The rating, and they made it that much raunchier. And, and, and I, I think the South Park movie, and obviously I am a huge advocate for the South Park guys, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. So that makes my list. My, my, my personal favorite overall, number one, is, is Animal House. I have seen that movie more than any movies. I think it's so funny. Um, written by Harold Ramis, who's one of the writers. Which then you also co- did Groundhog Day, which is exactly. And amazing. I was going to say you have to yeah. have one of his movies, yeah. whether it's that or Groundhog Day or Ghostbusters. Now Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. That's one of the fun parts about this debate is you remember all how many good move comedies are out there. Well, well, and and the, and the thing, and that's a great point. And the thing is too, I was telling Nick this last night about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a comedy, but growing up as a kid, you don't know that. I agree. So I go. That's why it's difficult for me to put this on the list because. I've seen Ghostbusters. I don't know how many times, but as a kid, I just thought it was a. Uh, it's kind of scary. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So, but but here's what I've done. <laughs> the thought put into this. I I've put, I put the movie Hangover in the wheelhouse of all these movies, and then I want to ask all you guys, and obviously we're gonna get to Nick. Next time, SpongeBob. Can you just hold like, up your list so the viewers can see like how work. extensive yeah. this thing is? I'll put a picture. I'll get a picture of it for us so we can post it on social. Can, can you zoom in on that? I'm zoomed. So I have these five movies in the same wheelhouse, and I want I want both your opinions on this. The Hangover is in one of them. The, these are that genre that is really funny, but what's the best? Bridesmaids, Old School, Superbad, 40-Year-Old Virgin, and The Hangover. I put all those in that same genre. I think, I think that's a good genre. I think that's a good window for all those. And I loved all those. Yeah, me too. But like you were saying about Tropic Thunder in the theater, I will never forget how hard I laughed at Bridesmaids, at 40-Year-Old Virgin, at The Hangover, you know, at Old School, at Super Bad. So all those movies I thought were so well-written. The cast was so amazing. What's your favorite? I would probably say, and I love all those, I'd probably lean towards 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, I mean, that's... It, it's it's the pink-highlighted ones. <laughs> pink-highlighted ones. Man, I mean, it's tough. Old-school bridesmaids. Superbad, Superbad's almost like it falls into the Rushmore good movie um, yeah. thing that we're talking about. I, I remember um, when I saw, I went with my friend Sarah, who I used to wait tables with. When we saw Bridesmaids, like I was out, I was that guy in the theater because I don't hold back. If I think something's funny and I loved Bridesmaids and I think I was bordering on that she's like, geez, I don't know if I want to be here with him anymore. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm that guy laughing. Yeah, yeah I love his, it. Hysterically. So, so all those. So I might give the edge to 40-year-old version, but then... But then I have Sandler movies on here, and I, I don't disagree. Did you have Billy Madison? I have Billy Madison. I don't disagree with that either because I'm like, you got to put a Sandler movie on here. Well, also, you do a great job of putting a Mel Brooks movie on there, which... I thought I had to. Oh, of course. Of course. I had to give Mel Brooks some yeah. love. Yeah, and some of these things, you're, you're right. Like, we should do a day. We should, on a YouTube, we should do a YouTube channel where we're just watching the, the movies again and see what people are thinking because it would be fun to refresh our memories with... Blazing Saddles and, uh, you know, whatever else he made, uh, you know. Um. And then, and then you know what ranks up there for me, and I think he's brilliant and I love him, Borat. 
I agree. Great success. Borat was is on the cusp for me. Because, again, my movie-going experience was so good watching that. And, and that's how I felt. Now, what do you feel about – let me toss out a few other ones. Something about Mary? It's on a lot of lists out there. It's, it's not – it's probably – Second tier of comedy from from me personally, okay. but still, but still, I mean, the zipper scene. Oh my I, god! I've never laughed. I mean, being a teenager and watching that scene, you laugh. It just it's, it's so fun to laugh. Like I that agree. Loud. I saw in the theater. It was dying. I was in high school. The vacation movies. Yep. Monty Python. Of course. Bring out your dad. So, that's kind of my list. Coming to America. It's Coming like, to America is great. Yeah, that's on several lists. I mean, that's it, incredible. You know, this is a tough one to do. Blues Brothers for me is up there. People always say, I'm, I love Caddyshack. I don't love it as much because of, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but like, it's for my top 10, but I can see why so many people love it. I rewatched um, that one in the yeah. last year. It, it held up. I, I need to watch it again. I mean, I do love it. Maybe it's just because I, I have a thing about sports movies, but. Um, but yeah, Caddyshack has got to go on the list. So, so obviously, these are all in my wheelhouse. Now, let's go to Nick. You're, you're, you're born in what, 1996? 96. So you'll have a different perspective. I actually have uh, Joe Burrow's birthday. It's my half birthday. Oh, my God. Oh my God. How about that little nug? So? Nick Nug. Nick, Nick, oh, work, Nick works in the upside down of this podcast. He just yeah. says things that are like, maybe doesn't make any sense, or non sequiturs, <laughs> or totally random. <laughs> Um, it's good for the show. Yeah, it is great for the show. So when I did my list, I just kind of did it as if these are the movies that I would watch before I watch The Hangover. Okay. So it goes like this, and some of them are going to be questionable. And please throw your comments in YouTube too. I want to. I want to see a few comments. We, we, we do have a few, and, and we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get to those yeah, right. after my list. Yeah. All right. So I do have Anchorman. Thank you. And this is going to be like, it's going to be controversial. To okay, that's acceptable. Next, I got The Ringer. Do I even know this movie? Explain it, Nick. When the f- did we get ice cream? Don't know it. Never seen it. <laughs> if you know it, you know it. All right. Yeah. Then I got Naked Gun. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. hold on. You have to explain. The Ringer was Johnny Knoxville fake, fakes that he's mentally oh, handicapped. Oh, wow. Wow. It's a great movie. Okay. Yeah. In terms of a comedy, it's up there. Yeah, I got The Naked Gun. And then I got 1985, The Clue Movie. Clue. Clue's a great movie. Yeah. I don't necessarily think of it as a comedy, but like I see why. They're, they're definitely com- comical there, there's aspects. Definitely, it, it, it's actually it's in, a, the, in the genre of comedy. Such a fun watch. Yeah. It, and it, it just means a lot. I, I don't know. These are all personal. Yeah, it, it's great. These are my personal. I love Clue. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Next, I got Team America World Police. I was going to ask this question. Thank you. So similar, funny. Similar to you, this is the movie I have laughed the hardest at ever. Of all time. I was in college, freshman year. I won't forget it. Jimmy Cleveland, Tyler Clements, Randy Osterman, Austin Feliz, Sam Willis. We're all in this dorm room watching it together. And it was nonstop laughter for me. So that's... It's actually great. I wanted to bring that up with the uh, uncut because of I was gonna like you like that you prefer that one to, to Team America because well, I told so great. I told Nick this yesterday because we revealed a couple of our things we liked. I said that to him. I go, I think you got to have something from the South Park guys. I agree with you. I saw that in the theater. I was in college. Same thing. I I died mm-hmm. laughing. 100%. So I, I don't hate that at all. Next, I got Borat. I'm with you with Borat. 
In these are all movies for me. I remember where I was when I saw them the first mm-hmm. time. I yeah, on, I was on a bus for the hockey team. Uh, then I got Monty Python. I was in Colorado, camp, Blazing Saddles, classic. Mel Brooks, gotta have him. And then you guys didn't mention this one, Step Brothers. It's on my list. Very funny, very funny movie. I, you know, I think it's probably it probably goes in that tier of the. Um, forty old virgin, virgin hangover. Yeah, it's, a, it's in that sort of era. He used to smoke pot with John Hopkins. I remember liking it a lot. I do too. It's a good movie, but I personally, I don't put it on the level of those five I mentioned: old school hangover, forty old virgin, super bad, and bridesmaids. I think I think what you're talking about. If you have to have some some like a Will Ferry Will Ferrell movie in there for me. I gotta go Anchorman first. I don't think uh, Will Ferrell, who I think is hilarious, yeah, occupy two spots on the li- my list. But um, but my God, Anchorman for me. So if you're gonna go Talladega or Step Brothers, where do you go? I mean, you got Ferrell and John C. Riley in both. Yeah. I need to rewatch both both of those again. And then both great, both amazing. And my, my my last movie on my list, Surely You Can't Be Serious, Airplane. I think airplane almost it's not on my list because i i th- i think some of these movies i see the the time like the it just it was before my era whereas the c martin is one of my comedy heroes and so i watch the jerk and think about it f- so fondly so this is my take on those on those zuckerberg movies i rewatched all of them in the last couple years in the last year actually they hold up man and like you know me i i like i like the slapstick me too. and Obviously, we both like Dumb and Dumber. Yep. Just that genre of comedy is so funny to me. Now, let me let me add one that none of us have mentioned that I have on my list in the quote-unquote Andy Ruther 25 wheelhouse. Office Space. What are our takes on Mike Judge's I'd Office to, I'd Space? I'd have to see it again. Great. It's been a while. Great. Yeah. It's fun. That's, that's a great movie. I, you know, it's funny because the, the, the I think all of our lists go to um, – Movies that feel that some of the, the humor in Office Space is a little subtler. Like sure. It's, so it seems like our lists we like lean towards these like for the comedies like the gut busting, yeah, laugh out loud, like drooling down the mouth. First time we see it, experiences which Office Space doesn't have, but Office Space is very quotable, very rewatchable, and an amazing movie. So if we could go to the YouTube comments now, that'd yeah. be great. All right, so we got. Gavin asking if Austin Powers is even worthy of top 10. Can we put this to rest? It's not top 50 for me. Thank you. It's not top 50? No. Zach Boast, Pineapple Express or Superbad? Well, I said Superbad. To me, I think Superbad is way funnier than Pineapple Express. That's just my take. I'll roll with that. Holden Andrews, uh, no John Candy movies? Man, that's, 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 that's a fair point. And Gavin also. I think that, would, that would be planes, trains, and automobiles. Probably be the one for me. Um, you know, I, I I do have a soft spot in my heart for Home Alone, which I don't think is necessarily like a comedy, but like you know, John Candy doesn't make that list. Uncle Buck could be in there. Um, I'm sure there's a million more that I'm missing, but uh, Cool Runnings not really comedy. Of course, I remember watching that in the theaters. But yeah, yeah. I think it's planes, trains, and automobiles is is, is a is a it's a, a classic. So the crossover, what's the crossover all three of us had? Naked Gun, 
What else? Um, I think I think I think I think I had three with Anchorman? you. Anchorman. We, I, I, we, I we also had you. Anchorman. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I didn't have Anchorman though in my top ten. You didn't. No. We also have twenty five. Yeah, I basically said. <laughs> Anchorman did, 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 you, did Anchorman make top twenty five? Did I not put that on there? Wow. Any, any other uh, people throwing some? Uh, uh, we got a nomination for Little Fockers. Wow! Of all the, of all the, of all that series, Little Fockers it's, number. It's got to be the first one. Meet the parents, of course. And I'll vouch for this as well. Zoolander. Great. Yeah, Ben Stiller is a comedic genius. I mean, see, this is this is what happens. This is what you got to do. You got this is what you got to do. In my opinion, you got to say, "All right, we're choosing one Mel Brooks movie." We're choosing one David Zucker movie. We're choosing one Ben Stiller movie. One Adam Sandler movie. One Will Ferrell movie. I, I think that's kind of the way you do it. Maybe the easiest way. And then you debate that. I mean, it, I, I, there's some rumors out there that Dirtball Madness is not happening this year. I think maybe in lieu of that, we do the 64, the, the March Madness of comedies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great because uh, for anybody, if there's still a crossover, when I used to write for Dirty Pop, I brought that. We used to do our March Madness brackets, but they loved it so much, we just kept doing it all year. Where, I, where I'd bring one segment like that, and we'd break down, you know, best rock band of the 90s, or like this, best comedy, best SNL cast member. I, uh, I love this. It's, it's funny to think about, because some of these movies, oh yeah, I didn't think about that, I didn't think about that. Like, you, in a way, it's talking about, like, there's not enough funny movies out there, but there's like, there's like a hundred. I mean, it's, just, it's, like, it's amazing how funny... And doing this list and looking back on these movies and doing a Google search, I have to say, it genuinely got me excited. Like, I got excited at the thought of rewatching these movies or, you know, watching these movies with Nick for the first time since he's younger. I mean, I specifically remember, I told his dad this last night, I'll never forget the first time I watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I was, I don't know, like 12 or 13. My mom would never have let me watch that. We were on vacation at this island in South Carolina my family used to go to. Fripp Island in South Carolina. My parents went to bed. My brother Brad goes, all right, we're going to watch this movie. There's sex in it. There's nudity. There's stuff mom would want you to see. You want to watch it? You can't tell anybody. And I just remember watching it and being like, holy shit, but how funny. Sean Penn's character, Spicoli, and Mr. Hand... The teacher, yeah. I mean, just everything. There's all these these like funny early comedies. Like when you're when you're young, you kind of see them and they're a little edgy, like Fast Times. For me, it was a uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, Zucker. I mean, or uh, yeah, you know, just like this this sort of slightly. You shouldn't be watching this right now. Should yeah. You? Um, it's it's fun to remember. Like that's the power of a movie, and then it, it it's, is. It's just going to the theater and be like. I haven't laughed like that in a long time. That's it's it's an amazing, and it's like, an amazing thing. Like I remember something about Mary. Like that's the thing. These movies, I remember seeing that in high school, and I, even just a, a scene people probably don't remember. They go to the rest stop, and he and Ben Stiller trips and falls in the bushes, and it's a bunch of gay men having sex, and and the one guy says, "Hey, wait your turn." <laughs> like there was a line <laughs> of just casual yeah. sex that happened with men in the bushes and truckers and it was just it was just so ridiculous or oh, i remember going to see happy gilmore with my brothers and just laughing so hard like none of us had ace ventura that's crazy think about that that's funny yeah 
it's interesting because I'm a person that likes to go to movies by myself. Like, I'm, I have no problem going to movies by myself. I, I, like, prefer going to movies when they're less crowded. But comedies, when you, whenever you catch, like, a con- it's, like, so great to go to a full theater. And, like, you're, you're just comfortable. Unless Andy Ruther is in the room. They're like, shut that guy up. <laughs> you, know, you, know what I, you know what I should have for a side gig? I should be laugh tracks. You should. Because I laugh a lot, and I, and I think I have a, a pretty big laugh. And, oh, my God. Well, thanks for indulging me. I just thought it would be a fun, fun topic, and it was circulating my, my feed with all these sports personalities. I so. love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Dirtballs, we didn't get to calls today, but if you do have something to contribute, give us a call at 310-359-8365. We will be back on Thursday with Joe, and we will get to the calls then. It's been a fun show. Great show. I just want to do a quick shout-out to, we didn't mention this, and I wanted to, David Ayers, mm. the emergency goalie. Oh, yeah. Just quickly, for this, my, my lead for story of the year, I learned something. NHL, there's emergency goalies in the arena, and they, they play for whoever needs them. doesn't I, matter if it's the home team or the away team. I think that's so interesting. He lives in Toronto. He works for the minor league team. He knows the Maple Leaf players. The Zamboni yeah. driver. He's a Zamboni, t- d- he's Zamboni wearing driver. A, he's 40- wearing a helmet, a Maple Leaf helmet, while he played for the Canes. Yeah, he knows everyone on the other team, goes and, and beats them. I think that's an incredible story. I agree. What a weird quirk. Had a kidney transplant 15 years ago. And I followed up on it, too. Has one win in the NHL. First win in emergency goalie history. That's, no, 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 I, no I, the, the Blackhawks the guy won. I yeah. thought first credited win. Yeah, someone else was. Well, he's the oldest. He's also the. I read up on it. He's the oldest player to win making his debut in the NHL. Oh, okay. So that's the stat on it. Just such a cool story. And if you guys haven't seen the the bit where uh, Rod, the coach Rob Brendan Moore comes in and sort of congratulates them, they, they dump water on them. Yeah, like it's it's, it's, it. it's it's an awesome story. I think I think it's great. I did. I knew the emergency goalie thing was, you know, a thing for the NHL. I didn't know until I read the story that he was the guy for either team. I know. I think that's very interesting because it's like, you guys, the benches are so deep in most of these teams, like these sports, and yeah, not hockey. Speaking of a comedy, there's a comedy there. Slapshot, right? I had that on my list. It was on the as, list as mentionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never seen Slapshot. Well, that's. Maybe we'll do um, uh, the Dirty Sports Watches. So, mm-hmm. so at this point, Nick, Tug's going to come over. We're going to do another March Madness, just so everybody knows. I'll, I'll announce that ahead of time, three weeks in advance. We're going to do a live March Madness. We're going to do live watching movies. I might need to get a second bed for Tug in here. Listen, it'll be tough getting away from my kids, but I, but I have to do it. <laughs> we definitely have enough TVs. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Well, that's the show. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, at The Dirty Sports. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, Yeah, you guys know the drill. Leave iTunes reviews. Leave that Twitter and Instagram handle. Follow me at Andy Ruther, Tug Coker. Yep. Where can they follow you? At Tug Coker on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, Andy, Nick, and Joe, as always, for having me on the show. Thanks to the Dirtballs out there. I appreciate all the support as I try to make and create things for you to enjoy. Yeah, that's right. And go follow Joe at Fix Your Life on Twitter and at Joe Prano on Instagram. And go to his website if you want to see Joe live at JoePrano.com. Nikki D, I know you got things popping over there. What's happening? Nick Dale on Twitter, 
at Nick D-A-I-E. Also, Zach Bose is asking about this dirty sports gaming community. Guys, my dad came. He brought my Xbox. The Twitch is coming. Keep an eye out for it. Love it. All right, Dirtballs. Thanks for everybody for supporting us. Again, hit those notific hit the what is it? It's the bell icon. Post the- notifications. On YouTube. So that way you know when we go live. Because guess what? We go live on the spot. You never know. We're we're like that that animal that's just that's watching you and we're gonna attack you with that live video, fam. Terrible analogy. But that's the show. Thanks, Dirtballs. Much love and most importantly, stay dirty. <laughs>